I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Renee Swanson with the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and this is part two of a mini-series on trauma bonding. Today, I want to dive right in. Let's remember what trauma bonding is. Now, this is part two of a two-part mini-series. You know, part one was on Sunday, and in a simple definition, trauma bonding is when the one who has hurt you is the one you turn to to help you feel better. Trauma bonding feels like you've broken me into pieces, but you're the only one who can fix me. And the more you reach out to this covert abuser for love, recognition, comfort, validation, support, reconciliation, or closure, the stronger the trauma bond becomes. And with a covert abuser, they are never going to give you the love, recognition, comfort, validation, reconciliation, closure, any of these things. And so it becomes this cycle. You know, trauma bonding develops from a cycle. And we talked about this in the last episode. It's formed by the repetitive cycle of positive reinforcement followed by negative punishment or negative punishment followed by positive reinforcement. It's a cycle. It goes over and over and round and round. Trauma bonding develops due to this cycle of intermittent rewards and punishments and the conditioning that that then causes inside the victim. You see, you, the victim, you build hope. You're eagerly awaiting that next positive time together and a reprieve from the suffering. You do everything in your power to help this to happen. And in fact, you take it on as your own responsibility to make sure that it happens. And you just know that it will come because you've been conditioned to believe that it, because it has come many times. And when it does, you are filled with such strong, powerful, positive feelings, feelings of hope that you haven't felt in quite a while. You develop a deep rooted belief that this person the abuser in your life, and maybe you don't recognize the abuse yet, maybe you do, but you believe that this person is the one who also makes you feel better. The good times bring extremely rewarding feelings. So you could even call trauma bonding a conditioned dependency. You have been conditioned to rely on this person to help you feel relief from your internal stress. They make you hurt by the way that they treat you. And they make you feel better because a healthy relationship with them is what you so strongly desire. No one else can actually make you feel better about this relationship. They can talk with you about it. I can give you suggestions and ideas and perspective. Other people, your friends and family can support you and care for you, but no one can take away that deep 
internal pain that an intimate covert abuser causes. So you continue to do everything in your power to make peace with this person. You dig in hard because you desire it so much. And these wounds are so deep. If that person would actually get on board and help you to heal these wounds, the relief would be amazing. So by now you have almost certainly heard that the covert narcissist is never going to change. You may not believe it yet, but you've heard it. And, and you've heard that they're never going to seek genuine help, self-reflect, and actually make things right. At least not in any way that is actually going to truly stick. They make brief glimpses of it. And, and this is because, you know, for several reasons, one of them being that they are more in love with the idea of being a good person than actually doing it. So they make these little brief glimpses of self-reflection but they have no ability to actually do it. You know, many of covert abusers will never come to you and say, Hey, I'm so sorry that I've been hurting you this way. I realized that I was wrong. I've really been mean to you and I'm really, truly sorry. Have you ever heard those words? You know, most of the covert abusers will not actually say that or not say it in any way that is genuine. The ones that do say it, you know, these wonderful words will come out of their mouth, filling you with hope and love for them of finally, finally, we're going to make some progress together. And you reward them with so much of your own positive energy, only to find yourself right back in the tension and negativity, like none of this ever happened. It's just another cycle of trauma bonding. So what do we do about it? I'm going to give you 10 strategies right now. All 10 might not apply to you. You know, all of us are different and some may really truly register with you while others don't take the ones that feel right to you and start applying them to your life right now. And then later come back and listen again. You know, you'll be in a new place at that point inside of your own mind and inside your own heart. And you might find a few more that will be very helpful to you. Number one, Recognize the survival skill that you have built. I'm going to talk about this survival skill because it is very specific to trauma bonding. Your brain has been programmed to be loyal to that abuser by this abusive cycle that we've been talking about. You are working so hard to make the best of the situation. And that's the survival skill I'm talking about that you will work so hard to make the most of this situation. You find yourself in an adverse situation that you cannot get out of. So you work to make the best of it. You can do, you do everything you can to make it the best that you can. We are wired to take the path of least resistance, especially in adverse situations. I'm going to give you a really simple example for this one. See, I get bogged down in the tech side of my world. You know, I, I run these podcasts. I have a mailing list. I run, you know, CNG. I do group coaching, all of these things. And, and they're all online. And I get bogged down in the tech side. And the other day I was working on an email for CNG. CNG is Covert Narcissism Group, by the way. And that's kind of become my logo now. And I was working on an email that I needed to send out to 15 people. And my son, being far more tech savvy than I am, he helped me to set up the form for this particular email. You see, I needed signatures on this form and I was 
trying to figure out how to set this up where they could sign it online. So he set it all up for me, but then he had to leave. All I had left to do was to send it to these 15 people. Well, now I could not figure out how to send it to multiple people at once. I started to set it up that way, but it wasn't working right. Rather than spending the time to figure it out, I sent it out 15 individual times. You see, instead of spending the hour that it probably would have taken me to figure out the tech issue, I spent five, maybe 10 minutes sending it out separately. This was the path of least resistance at the time. Now, I'm still going to have to go back and figure out somehow, you know, how to send this out to books, to groups of people, because that's going to continue to happen. But right now, this was the simpler solution. Well, this is where we get to in this abusive cycle. Right now, you could spend huge amounts of time and energy figuring out how to get out of this abusive cycle, figuring out how to get it stopped, figuring out maybe how to leave the relationship, all of this, but that can seem incredibly overwhelming. Or you can make the most of the current situation and just keep doing things the way you've been doing them. Whatever today's folly is, you can figure out how to make the best of it and return to your normal state of life. This is a survival strategy and it makes sense. You're making the most of a situation you are in and taking the path of least resistance right now today. If you suffered abuse as a child, and many, many people did, then you learned to make the best of a situation way back then. It was your only choice. You couldn't leave. You didn't have options. So you learned to make the most of what was going on. And your mind still believes that this is the best survival strategy to put up with the abuse and make the best of it. So number one is recognize that survival skill for what it is. Number two, stop trying to help them change. I mentioned earlier that you've probably heard that the narcissist is not ever going to change. You may or may not be ready to believe that. When I first heard it, the words that actually came out of my mouth was, then that's not what this is because he can change. And I truly believed this. I just need to find the magic right words, the right way to say it so that he understands. And if you've heard my story, you know, I dug in and poured everything I had into finding those magical right words. I'm here to tell you today, stop hunting for the magic words. Stop pouring all of your energy into helping them be a better person. It's okay to want them to be a better person. It's not okay to do all the work for them because that doesn't work. You're, you're trying to do all the work to make them a better person. Does it actually make them a better person or does it make you tired? I want you to ask yourself, do you want it more than they do? Are they putting any real effort into being a better person? And I mean, real effort, not just going through the motions. Whether they are ever going to change or not is entirely on them. You cannot do it for them. It is their choice, their decision to make, their call. You cannot change them, but you can change you. Number three is take back your power. Remember that I said when you are trauma bonded, you are in a position where the only person that, that can help you to feel better is that abuser in your world. That's an awful lot of power to give to another person. They have all the power. They make you feel horrible and helpless, and they make you feel hopeful and loving. 
It's a roller coaster ride. You know, with a covert narcissist, you are trapped on a roller coaster. They are driving and just watching you go up and down, up and down, over and over. That's, again, a lot of power to give to anyone. It's time to take that power back. Get off that dang roller coaster. Right now, your feel better is focused around them. You need to change the direction or the focus of that feel better. Feel better is based on you. Whether you choose to stay with this person or not does not matter right now on this point. Even in a healthy relationship, listen to what I'm saying. Your internal feelings of worth and hope should not be reliant on anyone outside of yourself, even in a healthy relationship. In fact, this is a large part of what makes the relationship healthy in the first place. Both people are not so emotionally intertwined or enmeshed. They do not look to each other for their own self-worth. And instead, they come as healthy people and they look to each other for companionship, for a teammate, for somebody, you know, who's on their side in this, in this struggle of life. Take back your own self-worth and put it on your own shoulders. Number four, check your secret self-blame. Many of us have it. That little tiny voice inside your head that says somehow this is your fault. Somehow this is your responsibility. That maybe you don't deserve better because you're, you're just not good enough. Maybe you were raised by parents who blamed you for everything pushed you down, telling you that you were wrong or worthless or less in some way. So now as an adult, you still internally blame yourself for everything. It is time to change these doubts to what if statements. I like what if statements. Instead of all that doubt, you know, of of somehow this is my fault, you need to change those statements. What if this isn't your fault? What if you do deserve better? What if you can be happier? Maybe you were taught that that you were nothing and, and that a relationship is the only way you could become whole. Maybe you were taught that you can't rely on yourself. So internally, you secretly believe that you're not good enough, not strong enough, not smart enough, and so on. Maybe you truly believe that you have to have a partner in your life because you're not good enough on your own. Again, change these statements. What if you are good enough? What if you are strong enough? What if you are smart enough? Number five is reality work. Denial is a defense mechanism and it will keep you trapped in a trauma bond for years. One positive moment with an abusive partner can erase months of bad treatment. Again, this goes back to that cycle that we have been talking about. That survival skill that we build to make the best of a situation goes hand in hand with denial. That denial is is when we just kind of erase and quickly forget all the bad times or we even rewrite our past and go, you know, well, maybe I misunderstood or maybe he didn't really say it that way. And we start challenging our own memories. One of the best forms of reality work is journaling. I talk about it a lot, but I cannot say enough about it. This is not, you know, you don't, you're not journaling, trying to analyze your feelings and and all of that. That's a different type of journaling. This is factual documentation. What happened? What was said? 
what, you know, what, what he said, what I said, what she said, all of that. And there's no need to analyze it. Just record it. Then when you start finding those moments of doubt or those times of positive behavior that, that, you know, roll you right back into, well, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought. All of that's going to happen. When it does, you can go back to your journals, start reading through them and go, oh my gosh, this is why I feel the way that I feel. Start looking at those cycles. Here's the good times. Write down some good times too. Write down the bad times. Write down the good times. Start noticing that cycle and start noticing when you're experiencing denial. What does it look like? It looks like those phrases that say, you know, maybe it isn't really that bad. Maybe I'm just overreacting or maybe I'm making something out of nothing. Maybe I'm remembering things wrong. These are classic denial statements. What if it is that bad? What if you're not overreacting? What if you are remembering things right? Denial says over and over, I can't leave. You know, this is not an option. Well, ask yourself, why not? Who said so? What if you can leave? You know, accept that you have a choice. You certainly can stay if you want, but you also can leave if you need. Number six is challenge your perspective. Changing one's perspective changes everything. So start asking yourself questions from an outside perspective. This is a tool that doesn't get used often enough. What would my best friend say about my marriage if he or she really knew everything? What would they say? You know, what would your deceased, maybe maybe you have a deceased grandma or great grandma, what would your deceased grandma say to you about your life right now? How will your 80-year-old self feel looking back at your life? You know, imagine yourself at 80 years of age, looking back at where you are right now. What would you say to yourself? What would your five-year-old self tell you about your life right now? Take yourself back there. I was, you're five years old and you're looking at where you are now in life. What would that five-year-old child say to you? You know, if, if you don't have kids yet, or, or if you do, but, but maybe imagine if you, if you have a child not yet born, what would your un, unborn child say to you? Would they want to come into your home life right now? What would they tell you? Challenge your perspective by trying to look at it from outside of yourself. Number seven, put the focus of your life back on you. Victims of covert narcissistic abuse tell me all the time that they have lost themselves. They no longer know who they are. And it's no wonder because their whole world has become revolved around this abuser in their life, that roller coaster that they're on. That's their entire life and it's intense. It's time to find you again. And here are some ways to do that. All of the things we've been talking about are ways to do that. But here's some other specific ways. Start a project that you've been putting off. Something you've wanted to do, but you've been putting it off. And do it full on. Do it with all your might. And by the way, make sure that this project has nothing to do with that narcissistic person in your life. This project is about you. Another way to put the focus back on you is to start really, truly paying attention to your feelings. Several times every day, stop what you are doing and ask yourself, how do I feel right now? 
you know, maybe do this every time you go to the restroom. You know, that would be a, a way to remember to do it. Or every time you wash your hands or every time you drive your car, something that you use a regular part of your day that can be a, a, a trigger for you to remember to check in with your feelings. That's a positive trigger. You know, a positive just remember at the moment of, oh yeah, how do I feel right now? Number eight, stop dancing their dance. Another word for this or another phrase for this is get off the hamster wheel. Quit spinning in circles with this abuser. If you cannot leave yet, then learn about gray rocking. Become incredibly boring to them. No reaction, no engagement. No more trying to get explanations from them. No more trying to get the truth for them. They're not going to give it to you anyways. No more trying to get them to understand. They're not going to anyways. No more turning to them. Listen to this. No more turning to them for the internal feelings of self-worth and love and, and acceptance that you are trying to find. Quit trying to get it from them. It's time for that to come from you. If you must still live with them and you try gray rocking, that may backfire a little bit. You might need to give them, occasionally give them some interaction just to buy you some time. This is not for the purpose of fixing things with them. Remember, that's not the goal because you can't do it. You can't change them, but rather to keep your own peace and sanity while you find yourself again and take charge of your life back. As you do this, they are not going to like that. They are, going to, they are going to feel threatened by this new life that you are forming. They're going to be jealous of the new happiness and peacefulness that you start finding. So just understand that some of that is going to come. The healthier you get, if you're in a healthy relationship, the healthier you get, the happier your partner is with the health that you find. But if you're in a toxic relationship, the healthier you get, the more unhappy your partner becomes. This is one of the ways to really check and see, am I in a healthy relationship or a toxic one? Number nine is go no contact if you can. Now, of course, this is dependent on whether you're still in the relationship or not. If you are out of this relationship, completely separate from this person, go no contact. Do not leave any line of open communication with them. None, zero, no phone, text, email, social media, nothing. Do not leave a way for them to contact you and do not leave a way for you to run into their posts or activities. Do not check their status. Do not check. Don't do it. This is you taking charge of your life back. Now, if you must have contact with them because you're still living with them, uh, because you have kids with them, there's different reasons why you still have contact with them. Work to limit that contact. Focus on you and building your life. Again, you're probably, if you're still living with them, you're going to need to do a little just to find peace with them. And, and that's okay. That's a tactic that you are using so that you can have some peacefulness in your life. But in the, the ultimate focus for you is to get your focus back on yourself, building your own life again, working on your own mental and emotional health outside of that relationship. Don't let your emotional and mental health be defined by this person any longer. Number 10, find support. You will not be able to do this alone. No one can. Find friends, family, therapists, counselors, group coaching, life coaching, whatever form it takes, you will absolutely need people to talk to. 
people who can keep you grounded and at the same time allow you to vent and express all that built up frustration, all those feelings that you have been holding inside because when you're with a covert narcissist, you are not safe to express your true feelings. And now as you start finding who you are, all of those feelings are going to want to come boiling out of you. Let them, they need to get out of you, but you've got to find safe spaces for that to happen. If you want to explore trauma bonding in more depth and in relation to your current situation, you can join my group sessions. I, I do group sessions specifically on this. I also do one-on-one -on -one life coaching. So that choice is totally up to you. I have a passion for helping others, especially those living this very same nightmare that I lived. You can contact me anytime by email, Renee, R-E-N-E-E, -E, at covertnarcissism.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.